Welcome to the Capital City Crew Podcast. Join your hosts Jeff, Owen, Josh, and Herman as they dive deep into the game of Malifaux. Explore sophisticated strategies and creative combinations, but always remember in Malifaux, bad things happen. All right, welcome back everyone to another installment of the Capital City Crew Podcast. This is Owen Best here again with my fellow friends and uh, podcast mates, Jeff Mansker, Herman, and Josh. All right, so today we are coming back to do part two of our Explorers Society review. We're going to be going through... Explorers Society. Yeah. We're going to be going through the remaining four masters as well as some brief thoughts on the versatile models and the upgrades. So just like last time, we're not gonna be deep diving, we're just gonna be giving our initial thoughts, reactions to the models, to the fluff, uh, to these keywords. So with that out of the way, uh, which, which masters are we going through today, Jeff? Uh, well, since we've already covered uh, four of them, the last four that we have left are uh, Lucas McCabe and the Wastrel keyword, uh, Lord Cooper and the Apex keyword, uh, Anya Lysarin uh, and the Syndicate keyword, and English Ivan and the Dua key- uh, keyword, uh, and Umbra keyword, although English Ivan is not actually his name. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get us started with... The returning master who has been an explorer society master from the very beginning of this edition and that is lucas mccabe relic hunter in the wastrel keyword so what do we get now in explorer society to add to the wastrel crew shafted shafted oh <laughs> no he gets some uh, cool stuff it, which relic he, is that he he does yeah that's what's written yeah um he does but you're missing out on the awesome shadow effigy uh and several of the other uh really potent things that 10 thunders had and you're making up for it with uh there are some other things that you can bring into the keyword but i think in general uh lucas plays much better in 10 thunders uh they have better upgrades and uh some other general uh things are really good so the other thing to consider is he can now bring these Wastrel models when he's playing 10 Thunders. So do you think maybe Lucas is going to still be most often seen in 10 Thunders, but potentially pulling in some of his new Explorer Society brethren? I do. I think you're going to see that. I think you're probably going to see most of the lists remain the same and uh, they're just going to slot in probably Jesse if they want some, uh, some soul stones. Um, That's uh, the only reason why you're really going to be doing uh, Explorer society over 10 thunders is if you, you're going to a tournament and you like Explorer society and you're playing them uh, or uh, you decide that you want to bring some botanists along. And there are a couple of things in Explorer Society that could help you out. But uh, in general, I think he's better in 10 Thunders. Well, rather than comparing him across factions, why not compare him within factions? What's he bringing uh, to Explorer Society that you're not seeing in the other seven masters? Can you look at it from that perspective? Uh, he's fast. Um, his crew's fast. He uh, has some decent abilities to get around the board. Uh, and in Explorer Society, that you're kind of 
uh, we there are some people that are joking around about this with the bellhop porter. Uh, Lucas McCabe can carry horses with him when he does ride with me because he's considered to be one uh, size larger. So he can take size three things when he rides with me, uh, which is an interesting mechanic. So you're making an already fast master even faster. I think the other thing he brings is the ability to bring his relics. Honestly, the time worn the time worn blade with its precise is always pretty well. It's always good. And sometimes it's extremely good into the right matchups to deal with pretty much any kind of defensive ability in the game. So that's something that can be thrown on not just wasteful models, but out of keyword explorer society models to really uh, buff them up. Uh, Only minions. Yeah. And you can make those minions awesome. Well, and I think it's worth touching on the point that you said he was very fast. And that I know the different waste rules have ways of teleporting around, things like that. And in the previous cast, at least, we talk about things like Jetsa that are very slow. And a lot of these models have like a very low movement value. So I think that that's something that's really worth focusing on that makes him unique, even if he's necessarily better in another faction, makes him unique within his own faction. Agreed. He's also just got some cool new tech. Like The Cryptologist is just a really interesting concept for a model. So Cryptologist has a bonus action antique timepiece. It says resolve any effects on a target friendly model that would resolve at the start of an activation that, and do not attach any upgrades. So in the wastrel keyword, that's mainly going to hit the looted supplies ability, which removes a scrap or corpse marker to draw a card. So you have a bonus action that can just draw a card, which is pretty handy. Um, But there's potentially other useful abilities in either cross-faction models uh, or or other models in Explorer Society or Ten Thunders that could have some useful interactions there. Well, you can also uh, stick a uh, an upgrade on something that's in your crew and then uh, use the Cryptologist to resolve the action, which means that model will gain not just the looted supplies, but will also gain fast because it's something that happens at the beginning of the turn for that model. And then you can use another model to uh, pair with Luna and do Luna Give to pass that upgrade off to something else so that it also gains fast that turn. Yeah. So I think the the cryptologist can add some really interesting effects uh, there. It also has a ranged blast attack, which is handy. Um, so some interesting some interesting effects there. I would have liked the cryptologist better if their antique timepiece wasn't so uh, well. That target number wasn't so high. Needing a nine uh, and then a nine of masks in order to get the really good portion of it off. Um, that's, that was a little bit of a deal breaker for me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, well, I mean, the other piece too. Yeah. Well, that's on the bar with the other obey actions. Like, yeah, that's pretty normal. I think on the lawyer and guild, it's a nine of tomes, except it's no, not it's an nine obey. Uh, you have to remove a condition on the target in order to make it do uh, an obey type action. So it's not just, if it was a, just a straight obey, I'd agree with you, but I'm having to remove generally fast from a model in order to get that model to act now. And I think that's kind of a, like it, 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 it feels bad when you, when it, when you do it. 
Well, if you think about it, though, you're basically that model would have gotten fast on its activation, assuming it had uh, one of McCabe's upgrades. So you're saying basically get fast right now with the first part of the ability, then remove that fast, take an action. So it's like you're still going to get that fast on its turn, but it gets to do something immediately, which is pretty awesome. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah, it's not as good as a an unconditional obey, but I think it potentially has play. We'll have to see it more on the tabletop. I mean, the biggest thing that I don't like about Antique Timepiece is that it's friendly only uh, and the trigger, it can remove a condition. And now that would be cool if you could use it on an enemy, remove the condition, and then you'd be able, be able to obey it. So remove focus, obey a model to do something. Or you, like, but you have to use it on your own guys. And you can't use the fast that you're getting from resolving the effects in the beginning because the triggers have to be, or costs have to be declared, or paid when you declare the trigger. So it's just, I, I feel it's very uh, cumbersome and clumsy. It is one of the rare instances of condition removal in the entire faction, but at a terrible cost. Nine of a suited nine is a a lot to pay for condition removal. Yeah, I, and I think they could have done other things with this. I just don't think anti. I don't think the cryptologist came out very well. Yeah. So aside from that, something that did come out of this that that I actually do like is Jesse Holiday. Um, and the big thing that I like about her is, and th- I think Weird did really well with this one. Uh, it's I use it as basically a soulstone miner, or, or use her as a soulstone miner or a prospector. She gets me cards with from looted supplies. Uh, she gets me soulstones every turn, uh, and she can make scheme markers. And her gun has a twelve-inch range, stat six. So when things get near her, she can actually uh, cause them some damage. So she's a little bit better than a prospector. Uh, probably not as good as a soulstone miner, but you know what more can you ask for? And has a uh, shockwave attack that doesn't have a gun on it, which is a rare beast indeed. Well, and, and the 10-inch range on that is pretty nice too. It's also a shockwave that uh, targets willpower, so she can pair up with certain other models like an uh, EVS. Uh, uh, I forget which one it was, one of the ones with the Gibson the DeWalt? Spears. No, 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 EVS, uh, one of the... Oh, yeah. The, the chick, like Kira? No, it's the dude. The dude who's got the defense. Har- Harada, yeah. He uh, he has the negative uh, willpower uh, aura. So, you know, they, they can pair well together to give damage and distracted. And that distracted is something that, you know, that keyword one, EVS kind of wants anyway. It's uh, pairs off of the whole distracted with showgirls type thing. So uh, she's not a bad thing, bad person to bring another cruise either. It's uh, free soul stones. So she kind of pays. She If she gets a soul stone every turn, she only costs you two uh, net. So it's not bad. So one thing I think that's kind of curious with Wastrel is when you go back to 10 Thunders, you see that it's kind of McCabe and then he's supported by a lot of their versatile models. Do you see the Wastrel synergies being stronger in Explorer Society or do you see him still kind of following that where you're taking McCabe and then you're kind of picking and choosing afterwards? I, there is one model that's a generalist that I think is going to be pretty good with McCabe, and that's the botanist. 
And that's due to the whole removing markers. And every time you remove a marker around the botanist, it gets a grow token. So uh, you can have a defense seven, move six, willpower six, uh, stat six guy that's running around. Now, granted, he only does one, two, three damage and gives staggered, but it they can make themselves a pretty beefy little, you know, defense seven, seven wounds for six. It's pretty good can't be moved and he gets to he's wicked so he gets to hit you if you try to walk away from him make pretty good little tarpets well the other thing too is that goes really well with looted supplies so that which is the wastrel so the wastrel keyword ability of removing a scrap or corpse marker which if you have a botanist within four will trigger so you know i think there is potentially a lot of synergy with the botanist uh, and it, it also makes a little sub game that you can play if you're playing against a crew that likes uh, bunching up. Uh, McCabe loves when people are bunched up together just because of the how he works and his whole rear up and uh, hitting people with his whips. Uh, Jesse has her new uh, Soulstone Torch, which is a, a shockwave, and now the botanists also make shockwaves. So you can have an interesting little shockwave game going. So looted supplies doesn't actually remove the marker. So it won't trigger the botanist ability, but, I mean, then it's just more free card draw. But Archaeological Dig does. Oh, well, and McCabe and Luna both remove them to attach upgrades. Yeah. So it in, in the first turn, if you have a botanist that's standing next to that uh, ski marker, within four of that ski marker, and McCabe, McCabe picks it up to attach a upgrade onto himself or somebody else, and then Luna digs another one, you've already maxed out the... Uh, grow tokens on the botanist to make it that uh, defense seven and willpower six with Lucas, a six move. Lucas McCabe ate botanists. I mean, who knew he had a green thumb? Nobody knew. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, should we take a quick break and move on to the big game hunter? M- move on to Herman? <laughs> game. Oh, Hey, that's how I roll, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We are here to talk about our second master of this episode, and that is Mecca Teddy Roosevelt, a.k.a. Lord Cooper, a.k.a. Master of the Apex, the big game hunter. I mean, I like him. I think he's really fun. So what do you like about him? So there's a couple of things. Um, when you first look at the crew, uh, uh, particularly if your name's Herman, you're going to think that the crew is very straightforward, uh, that he does shooting, and you know that's one of the things that he does. But uh, as I started playing this crew more, I got to realize that uh, they're very nuanced, that there are multiple ways that you can play. Uh, you can play around with hazardous terrain effects and traps and things like that, uh, utilizing the... Uh, Oh, my, my brain's not... The Vitagi Huntsman and the Crypsis Core to extend the ranges of those. Uh, and the Vitagi Huntsman get to uh, make things... Uh, take shot attacks whenever you go through their traps. Um, and then you can play a, clo- a completely ranged game where you take the uh, the Crypsis Cores and uh, the Lord Cooper and his guns and uh, the Vitagi Huntsman and you're just uh, shooting things at range, making a gun line. Or you can go melee-focused with the uh, Artisan Artem- and Uller are great scheme runners, but they're also uh, pretty decent in combat with Malasaurus Rex and Model 9. Uh, plus, Lord Cooper himself doesn't shy away from combat either. So, like, just... Th- he's 
he's very nuanced in how you want to play him and he can easily switch gears. So uh, in general, I think, I think you're going to see a lot of Lord Cooper and I think he's a very strong keyword. I mean, yeah, you're going to see a lot of him because he's pretty straightforward. I mean, you know, they, they're going to come at you and they're going to attack you or they're not going to come at you and they're going to attack you. This is, you know, the Nekama of um, whatever this faction is, ES. Uh, you know, it's like their basic attack person. It's like a great one to start with, a great crew as a beginner, you know. I like that they tried to have a different take on a range crew rather than just make everyone ignore concealment. Uh, the predatory instinct at least makes you have a trade-off between getting around negative flips and doing good damage, which I think is a uh, good approach and allows for more versatility when your opponent is not standing in cover. Though, if you're going up against Lord Cooper, you should always just be standing in cover. Concealment, everything. Just- the runaways are the most amazing things ever that has ever been put in Malifaux. Yeah, let's talk about this, because that's a really... I think while maybe we could debate whether the keyword in general is straightforward, I think the runaways are definitely a wacky and unique addition to this crew. What do we think about them? What, well, I guess first, what, what do they do? What are they going to be doing in your main, uh, in your game plan? So they're going to start on the, uh, the center line because they're forced to. Uh, but in general, your goal in using the runaways is to either hamper the enemy crew with them, uh, using uh, uh, getting people distracted and then making Lord Cooper uh, take shots at them, or getting them into the, your opponent's deployment zone and using escape to give yourself a whole new hand and drop a ski mar- marker literally anywhere on the map. It's super powerful. Your opponent can't just ignore these runaways. But at the same time, at any point in time, if Lord Cooper needs a soul stone, he can always kill off one of these runaways and get a soul stone back from doing it. Uh, but if you decide that you're going to take out this the runaway, which it's not that hard to do. They're only defense four with four health. But you gain adversary apex uh, for that turn if you are the one that kills the runaway. So uh, it's kind of one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't type of things. And it's great flavor. Uh, I will tell you, uh, I have shot a runaway twice with Lord Cooper and not hit it twice. So uh, it's not a given that you're always going to uh, hit the runaway because you cannot uh, cheat the, for the runaway. Uh, it's uh, specifically listed in the rules. So uh, it's pretty interesting. And I, I like the addition of them. Yeah, they drive you slightly nuts because like their stats are just low enough that you don't want to put anything into them, but you need to kill them. But just high enough that every now and then a random card is going to get you. Um, the other thing I'll add, Jeff, is it's not a uh, adversary apex for one turn. It's adversary apex that cannot be removed as long as Cooper can see you. So oh, good point. Yes, so that's pretty sweet, actually. My only complaint about them is that I wish they had some more the most dangerous game thematics, and if they killed Lord Cooper, they would get something because that would be awesome. I mean, but then you would just turn them around and have Lord Cooper cheat down all of his flips and die. I'm, I'm surprisingly okay with that. Okay. So, I mean, I think other... In the world of bad theme crews, you also could do a, a team-up of McCabe and Cooper and then have all the dogs, right? You could have Luna, Artemis, Euler. That'd be pretty awesome from a 
theme perspective, at least. Uh, let's let's not do that. The runaways are minions, so you could even even give them swords. I should. That would be really funny. <laughs> Fast runaway with a sword. So if you are tuning into this podcast with the ideas of getting advanced tactics, don't listen to this section because this is all really bad ideas. (laughs) Moving on. So moving on to good ideas, uh, since we talked about the dogs, Artemis and Uller are just fantastic scheme runners. Uh, when they work in tandem with each other, between Artemis having nimble and move six, where you can move 18 inches up the board, and Uller having by your side to uh, uh, throw down a card to put itself within two inches of Artemis, uh, they can both get across the board incredibly fast, and they can be wherever you need them to be. Uh, on top of that, with their scheme marker removal shenanigans and and positioning shenanigans for uh, things. I, I, I love them both, and I will take them both in uh, every time that I take Cooper. Uh, I've actually taken them outside of Cooper as well, uh, just because uh, sometimes you just need somebody that's fast and can get you across the board. Um, when it when it comes to playing against him, does he have a lot of ways of ignoring armor? Cooper, yeah, well, sort of. Um, usually the things that have armor... Uh, are constructs. So the Vitagi Huntsmen have an ability called On the Hunt, and if they're targeting a construct, they do two irreducible damage. But that's one of the things I like about uh, Explorer Society. They actually make your keywords and your... uh, your the terrain types actually matter. So, uh, like, in, for on the hunt, if you're a beast, you can push the target four inches. If you're a construct, you take your two irreducible. If you're living, you game adversary. If you're undead, you game injured. And so, if you're a combination of like an undead construct, you get two of the effects and other cumulative. So, you see the same thing with Jedza and the terrain types, and it's pretty awesome. Well, I was just thinking about like ways of playing against them where if you're able to force them to take a lot of negatives on damage then you're looking at going down into those min values and then you use like armor and shielding to overcome kind of like this gun line effect. That's basically what you, you can do against it. Uh, rely on the fact that if they're using their predatory instinct to get the attack bonus, they're going to be at even more negative flips to damage. Uh, and very few of the models actually have anything above uh, two for their week. I think Cooper and the Malasaurus are the only ones that do so you, if you can get him down that level, it's not hard to have enough armor or shielded to mitigate that damage pretty substantially. What's really cool is, uh, and this is kind of one of those uh, the, the deadliest game type things, is Cooper's ability to just hand out Apex at the beginning of his turn or at the beginning of the start of the turn. He basically says, "I'm going to hunt that model, and if you don't get that model to a safe place, he is going to kill it because he can. If you're in the open, uh, he can uh, take away the." Uh, the positive on the attack and give it to a positive to the damage flip, and we all know how deadly that can be. So, uh, your your if I your leader's within his line of sight and I call her out or him out, uh, you better get him to a safe place because he will take them down. So I have a question for our, a resident Neverborn player: the Malasaurus Rex is keyword Fey. So, which at first glance. Seems a little bit random. There is a fluff justification for this, uh, but what are your thoughts on the Malasaurus going into Fey? I'm actually really keen on the Malasaurus into Fey. I think it synergizes really well with giving out the crow, so you can get a lot of the Into the Thorns trigger. 
but also it brings something that's really kind of rare in Neverborn, which is Ruthless. And so up to this point, you've had Carver and Hooded Rider as your two choices. So now you're actually bringing in Malice Horse Rex, and I actually really like Titania just as a crew. So it really strengthens up a faction weakness by having it. Would you take the Malasaurus Rex over the Hooded Rider, though? Um, That's a really tough one, possibly because with the roar and the push, you're kind of getting the ride with me action. I think... Uh, I, I would actually actually uh, yeah the I kinda... lashing the lashing tendrils if you take the mysterious emissary and you're throwing out the hazardous terrain uh and then uh like you can use the lashing tendrils to push them through your hazardous terrain getting free melee attacks against them like uh, i i actually would in my personal opinion i haven't play tested it but i think i'm kind of leaning towards there i i do wonder if having like the hooded riders Super bonus action, like turn three or so, where you can attack a lot of models, makes up kind of a bit of a difference. And I think the Hood Rider is a bit more durable. But otherwise, yeah, I think there's uh, some definite overlap to be had there. Yeah, the terrifying 12 and the 12 wounds makes us. Uh, and fairly, hard to wound. And hard to wound makes us a pretty durable beast. So, one of the things that's really fascinating in Fae is that Titanium hands out a lot of injured. That reduces your willpower and increases the terrifying on the Malasaurus Rex as well. Yeah. Though you want to be careful you're not running into something that can easily get ruthless because defense four, willpower four, not the best. That's like resurrectionist defensive stat lines right there. I mean, with hard to wound and Titania can uh, prevent it from taking severe damage. That helps a lot. Uh, don't overlook his tail whip ability either. That, uh, you know, target number 13 move duel or suffer two damage and staggered. And then you get to push the models two inches in any direction. So you can uh, trigger those hazardous terrains. Plus it extends his range by another one inch. So if you do this twice, the first one's a two inch pulse out of his 50 millimeter base. The next one's a three inch pulse. It's, it's pretty good. So, yeah, I think we're... Uh... We're all thumbs up here on the Malasaurus Rex. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny that the two things in Explorer Society for Neverborn, which is the Damned and the Malasaurus, are hands down fantastic for the faction. I mean, I think I think overall Neverborn was a faction that up until this point, well, I think in the game up until the release of this book, we're suffering from a few key weaknesses. So it's nice that they're able to shore up Savage a bit. Um, that I think was a little underpowered. Uh, and then Faye wasn't particularly bad, but I think this adds some interesting options. Uh, I think with Faye, you're going to have a problem with the Malasaurus Rex is 10, the uh, Hooded Rider is 11, the um, Killjoy is 10, the um, Mysterious Emissary is 10. Like, there's a bunch of things that she wants and she can't afford all of them. And it's not like her crew is cheap. Baltogans are crap. And uh, the Autumn Knights are seven. So it's like you're already spending for a really expensive model. She's going to be turned into a really elite mo- uh, crew. I mean, she was already kind of elite. And so you take um, Ill Omens in order to bump up that, uh, whatever you call it, initiative flips. Yeah. But so I mean, she was already running elite, and Hooded Rider was already kind of running in with her because it had so much synergy. And I think the big thing is like I never really took Killjoy a lot with her. I don't know if that's oh for shame. Oh whatever. Um, so I think I think it's a substitute rather than an add to the crew. You're going to take something out to put the mouse horse in. 
Well, uh, we should probably get back to Explorer Society, but I will say uh, I did love taking Killjoy with Titania and putting his upgrade on Titania to where she would summon a, uh, uh, a marker underneath herself. And then if you came in on her, you were just taking hazardous damage terrain all the, or from the terrain all around you. So that was one of those things that I liked. But, uh, you know, no, I mean, Killjoy is a little expensive for that. Yeah, it's a really expensive thing for her. <laughs> it's a lot of money for a little bit of hazardous terrain. I mean, it works so well, though. So, so yeah, taking it back to Apex specifically, um, any closing thoughts on Apex before we move on to the next master? Yeah, I'm I'm not 100% sold on Model 9. We, we didn't really talk a whole lot about Apex here, but um, Model 9 is... We, we mostly talked about Titania. Um, he's... As I, well we I, should. I, I, he, I think the... Cost is a little high for what you're getting out of him. You know, nine soul stones for a uh, two, four, five damage uh, model. And he's got some good stuff that he can bring to the table. But in general, I, I just, I feel the, the couple of times that I've used him, I always felt like he was a little too expensive for what he is. I don't know. Armor two, uh, defense six henchman. That's uh, going to be kind of a tank, which is something that the, uh, keyword as a whole doesn't really have well i mean the thing is i think he kind of runs to the backfield and tries to hunt through some of the support models well that the x marks the spot could also help out like removing the friendly fire uh, helping your gun line be better yeah but i mean in general the biggest thing i found in this keyword that i liked were the vitagi huntsman uh just them being able to draw a card when starting next to other models uh then putting up hazardous uh terrain uh, that also gives out injured. Um, and then, you know, they can throw that up to eight inches away from them. Uh, they can get around armor if you're a construct. Uh, they're 12-inch shot, and there's just nothing that isn't good about these models. They're just great. And then the setup a kill, if your opponent's not uh, paying attention, uh, getting a free shot from Lord Cooper is always fun. Well, I think, too, the other thing about the Apex keyword is just the big game hunter aesthetic is a is a type of aesthetic of the time period that hadn't really been represented in Malifaux. And so I think people are going to really enjoy the character of these models. Um, so I, I think there's just a lot of really cool stuff you can do with this. And it's, it's just a fun, fun keyword. And if you don't say tally-ho at least once in your game, I'll be disappointed. Exactly. Do not oh. listen to him. <laughs> oh, well, you just need to sally forth there. All right. Get out. And <laughs> on that note, we are going to sally forth and head over to talk about the syndicate, our awesome representative from the United States. Um, so kicking that off, we're going to have Josh talk about that when we get back from the break. So boo, not Josh. All right. So welcome back from the break. We are here to talk about Anya Lykarian, the head of Condor Rails, a.k.a. The Syndicate, uh, and also the representative from the United States. 
um, in the Malfoy universe. So uh, to kick things off, we have Josh giving us a run through. What are what is the syndicate all about? And, you know, when I initially looked at the syndicate, I was like, what is what is this even trying to do? You're trying to pull off the whole my the master's totem is the actual powerful model kind of thing and it doesn't look very resilient and all her models are taking damage to do stuff so i was very dubious about her effectiveness initially uh and then i played her a couple times and i played her into some really bad matchups and the crew when put together properly does really well yeah and you're like karen is all about uh really inconveniencing your opponent, dropping hazardous terrain all over the place and preventing uh, your opponent from properly synergizing with its own crew. Uh, the big trick in Anya's crew is the expansionist ability on her, which if this model is a cruise leader, any models treat friendly scheme markers within line of sight as hazardous terrain, both on the marker and in a one inch aura surrounding the marker. So this lets you pretty casually drop hazardous terrain just all over the board while simultaneously achieving objectives to uh, score victory points and win the game. You get that real uh, twofer to hurt your friend or hurt your foes and uh, help your friends. He's friends with Herman, so he, he really likes hurting his friends. Yeah, Ooh. but it, harsh but true. On the topic of, of hurting your friends and harming your foes. Um, the other big keyword ability is the price of progress, uh, which lets models with that ability suffer one damage when they're declaring an action to add any one suit to their dual totals. And this just lets you casually get triggers all over the place in the crew. And Annie herself has, on her primary attack, a trigger at every single suit, and good triggers too. Talking Siphon Life, Surge, uh, Stunning Strike to prevent your opponent from declaring triggers. It lets you really... Uh, easily get the exact suits you need exactly when you need them. Uh, and her other really awesome ability, and this is the one that just vexes people all over the place, is hostile work environment. And this is the same ability that you find on Sparks, that you find on Anna Lovelace, uh, to prevent enemies from targeting other enemy models with actions. So you can just drop Anya in the middle of your opponent's crew, uh, drop a bunch of hazardous terrain that really inconveniences them and prevent them from healing their, their own models. It's a really, really nasty uh, set of powers. Uh, all this how are you keeping her alive while you're doing that? <laughs> That's the rub. The flip side to this is that she is incredibly squishy. Uh, ten wounds, hard to kill, being her only passive endogenous defensive feature. Um, so... they I guess they shunted all the defensive features in this crew onto her totem. <laughs> Uh, which we'll get to in a second. But they gave her some awesome stuff to compensate. Uh, a stat 7 Ancestral Tomahawk uh, that you can use Price of Progress to auto-trigger Siphon Life for a 3-4-5 damage attack uh, that also lets you look at the top card of your Fate deck and uh, discard it if you wish. Um, some other awesome abilities, Bleeding Edge, which, which lets you drop a... It's a gun attack, 6-inch range, lets you drop a Ski Marker completely within range, and enemy models between uh, Anya and the Ski Marker have it pass a def defense duel or suffer two damage. And the TN of that defense duel is equal to the final duel total for the action. So you can get it up to 
oppressively high levels for that TN. Not really. The stat's four, so the most that you can get with it is 18. Uh, and uh, 18 defense still is a pretty high defense still. Um, and she can use one of the triggers steal momentum to place into contact with that ski marker, which can make her extremely fast. Let's talk and, about the other the other henchmen, too. Well, I, oh, we should talk about the totem first, because her totem is badass. So just yeah. to interject really quick before we move on for her. Yeah. Like, I realize this sounds really stupid, but when I looked at her last name, I thought she was going to be a werewolf. I did, too. And I was like, hoping. I was really disappointed to see that. Sad. No, instead, she has a giant flying robot bird. It makes oh. sense. It's an I mean, easy transition. Yeah, it's logical to have a giant flying tro- giant uh, flying robot bird. Uh, but Sovereign, her totem, 50 millimeter base, uh, large bird. Um, flight, high speed, armor two, uh, and sounds of thunder, which is, is that the exact same ability that the uh, Shadow uh, Emissary has, or just a very similar one? Yeah, I think it's similar. It's not. I don't think it's the exact ability, but uh, it's very similar. That once per activation, when Sovereign moves, uh, enemy models w- within a pulse two have to pass a defense duel or suffer one damage and gain stun. And Sovereign himself also has Price of Progress, which you can use to uh, readily trigger AOE healing for the crew. Which is and uh, and apparently this stupid mechanical bird stole all of the willpower from the rest of Explorer Society because it has a freaking willpower of seven. She the the bird split it with Jedza. They got they went about halfsies on that. One got eight, one got seven, and everyone else is like threes and fours. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing I see with the bird though is like it's armor two, but defense four. So if you bring something that can specifically pick on it, it's going to go down really quick. It's true. Uh, Except it's move seven with fly with me, and it has flight. So I'm just going to avoid your models that ignore armor. That is the goal in that case. Not always possible, but that's the goal. Um, Moving down into a crew, the, the general theme you see for a lot of these is a bunch of really excellent triggers. Uh, to do a wide range of cool effects that with Price of Progress you can just do on demand. You talking about Glory of Ridley? Uh, Glory of Ridley on uh, Sovereign, which is an AoE heal for uh, other Syndicate models. Uh, can't target, or won't hit uh, Sovereign himself, but can hit everyone else so they can Price of Progress a bunch and uh, Sovereign can heal the backup. And that's on both the attacks and on the tactical actions. So if you just have a moderate tome in hand, you can do it without even having to price of progress on Ridley himself, or price of progress on Sovereign himself. So is it fair to kind of say that, like, reading through the cards, you're not going to see the actual synergies between them, but you put them on the table, and they just they become a very competent crew because they have this ability to kind of get all the things that they want at the right time? That, and just... I, I should have realized this sooner with how much I, like... Uh, Jakuna Umboy in the Urami crew, being able to just put hazardous terrain in the middle of the opponent's field is a really nasty ability. To just gum up their works and have them suffer every single time they try to do something is an incredibly strong capability. So yeah, anyway, my, my approach with this would be to have the surveyors 
uh, go in because they're they're moderately tanky, uh, pretty really good minions, uh, and they can make a hazardous aura around themselves with Field of Steel. So you combine that with Anya. So when people do actions, they're taking two points of damage because they're two separate sources of uh, hazardous. I think that might be a pretty good way, route to go with this. You can even do it one better than waiting for your opponent to take actions, uh, in that you can get either from Anya or from other models out of keyword, uh, get unresistible forged movement. Uh, the Union Buster ability on Anya just lets you move models as a one action. You can push models within a pulse two up to two inches t- towards or away your target, away from your target. So say you have someone in that field of steel plus the aura from a hazardous terrain ski marker, you can just push them back and forth through that, and they can do nothing about that. So it's possible if you get the full-on wombo combo of all the different hazardous terrains, you can just automatically do nine damage to someone uh, as a master activation, which is honestly pretty cool. It's uh, honestly keep in pretty, mind, pretty cool. Uh, there's also the Grave Goo, which can make a uh, piece of terrain uh, both hazardous one and poison. So if you combine the three of them, the, uh, you know, that's that's not too shabby. You can do some kind of ridiculous stuff. Uh, the the absurdity of things you can do with this extends to her hunchman as well. Uh, Winston Finnegan, I think, is going to be a model you see in a range of different crews because he just brings a lot to the table. Like you mentioned before, these models just bring a lot to the table. Uh, Finnegan has Arcane Reservoir, uh, Celebrity, Don't Mind Me, uh, Dirigible Ride, which is his bonus action, lets you target a model at size 2 or less and place them within 4 inches. And it's a, uh, an attack, so you can use on friendly or enemy models. and has a variety of excellent triggers attached with it. Um, yeah, So for, for 9 soul stones out of keyword, 8 soul stones in, I, I can see him showing up all over the place just for the range of utility that he brings to that. So question about him. I knew he was one of the first Explorer Society models that was spoiled in the lead up to the release. And I remember when he first came out, the initial reaction was, oh my God, what it, like? what is this guy? He's so busted. He has all these crazy abilities. Like, is Explorer uh, Society? He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, do we, now that we see him in the context of, the syndicate keyword. Do we still think he's really strong? Uh, have we amended that opinion that he's? You know, oh, no. So he's all of your fears were completely justified and founded. One hundred percent. Pretty much. Yeah. It's it, he's he's very very good, and I take him out of keyword uh, as an example. If you take him with uh, Nexus, uh, Dirigible Ride can uh, move her up the field. Um, you know, she, uh, same thing with Jedza, uh, just a, an additional push, uh, fortune's favor lets you kind of sculpt your, uh, deck and you can put things back or you can get rid of it and he gets to move while doing it. And we've all been in that special situation where you, it's the, towards the end of the turn, you have low cards in your hand and nothing else. And you're like, well, let's see if I can get this, you know, sharp wit off on this, this model that's in front of me, uh, with my, you know, see if I can get the slow off and you flip low. Your opponent flips high, and there's nothing you can do about it. But if you have a crow in your hand, you can just throw that down, and you get a free soul stone out of it. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. He is also pretty cool. The only, I would say, two weak parts in the uh, 
the keyword currently. Um, the operatives are okay. They bring some some neat stuff, and uh, their infiltrator ability, which, which lets them count as enemy models for the purpose of uh, effects triggered by enemy models, uh, is kind of neat, but situational. Uh, their Department of Ungentlemanly Affairs dual keyword, so they also get the Ungentlemanly Affairs ability. But beyond that, they're okay. Uh, The other downside to the keyword is that there aren't that many models to it. I feel as though they're missing a bunch of stuff, because there's, what, like, five or six uh, uh, syndicate models versus the, like, eight or nine for other uh, keywords. I mean, I think folks are going to have to bring in versatiles into this. I mean, surveyors seem pretty strong just as they are. And operatives do not. I mean, they have arson, which arson is counterintuitive to what you want to do because you want to put out the scheme markers causing hazardous auras all over the place and your operatives are blowing that up. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, you could get the value off the hazard and then blow it up for more value, right? Or blow up the enemy scheme markers. Like, Potentially. I think of the times that I've faced Iggy, and Iggy can really warp the scheme pool of marker, uh, scheme marker focus scheme pools. So having that well, range there's a difference point. between the the operative and and Iggy. Iggy can give himself fast and can cover really large ranges. Where the I think the operative is a very niche pick and. Uh, that's because of the infiltration ability. There are some uh, crews that have really good auras, uh, and she can choose to be affected by those auras as if she was a friendly player. But this is going to be one of those things where we need to declare syndicate, or you declare. Uh, I think their other keyword is Dua uh, Umbra. Mm-hmm. So when you declare that, you're gonna you're gonna declare your master, and then you're gonna be like, okay, this is a crew that relies on auras that are really good. So. I'm going to slot in one of these operatives because it's going to help me out in the long run. But aside from that, that's kind of the only real pick that I see for them. The big out of keyword pick that I have for, for syndicate is Mikhail uh, 16 from, from seeker. (laughs) Mikhail 32. No, no, that's uh, a couple iterations down the road, unless you're going in binary and that's, then it's just the next one. Uh, no. So, like I said, the big downside to Anya is that she her defensive features are kind of garbage. And Mikhail just brings defensive features that synergize amazingly well with Syndicate in spades. Uh, you can use Chronicle Protection to teleport Mikhail up the board, because you'll be damaging your own guys. So, when you are, start dropping AoE healing, hitting multiples of your guys... Uh, you can pick one to teleport Mikhail to to compensate for his generally low movement speed. He brings additional healing, all, uh, which, again, offsetting the price of progress that you're going to be wanting to use on uh, a lot of your guys. And uh, Caught in the Ring is just a spectacular tanking ability all around. So you can get him up in there, uh, have uh, him and Anya basically duo your enemies entire crew. Maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but they can t- take a lot while preventing your opponent from doing stuff like healing up their own models uh, since they can't target their friendly models thanks to uh, hostile work environment. 
So what you're saying is Mikhail strung like bear. No? Yes. Yes, I would say that. That's in my professional uh, capacity. Uh, yes. Also, my father's legacy on Mikhail, more irresistible force movement that you could just run your opponent's models through uh, hazardous terrain ski markers. So uh, the synergies are really strong between those two, uh, between Mikhail and the syndicate keyword. I mean, and what else are you going to spend your soul stones on? Because there's not really a whole lot of models in syndicate right now. Take Mikhail twice. <laughs> okay. I mean, if we're cheating, you might, you might as well bring, um, I don't know, go ahead and bring uh, English Ivan with you because he synergizes really well with the crew. That's not cheating. You can just do that. That's, that's just in the rules. So speaking of Seeker, though, um, so you talked about bringing in some Seeker models into Syndicate, but do you think you would ever take any of these Seeker models uh, from Syndicate into uh, your, your Seeker crews? Well, yes, because Winston Finnegan is really good, and the Surveyors are part of the Seeker crew. Um, <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, uh, they, those two are basically uh, the, the only ones you would really think about taking. Uh, Anya loses out on Expansionist if you took her as a second master. Uh, Corvus Rook is... I need to try out Corvus Rook. I've, I just look at him, and zero-inch melee just turns me off. I, I get the as slippery, so he's hard, he's hard to melee back, but zero-inch melee just is not something I am a fan of. I've used him twice, uh, once in my test of Syndicate and then in one of my English Ivan games, and he never had a huge impact. There are some people that love him uh, that I've seen that have been talking about him, but he's not hes not somebody that had a huge impact in my games, but at the same time, he's still only eight, which is one more than an Autumn Knight. So he's, he's nine. nine. Oh, is he nine? Yeah. That's two so, more than an Autumn Knight, which is that's two more than an Autumn Knight. unit of Fuck measurement. guy. I don't know. How do you care if he's two more than an autumn night? <laughs> it's a weird benchmark. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the uh, standard unit of measure, I guess. We, we have established the autumn night as the thing. If you're too away from it, that's just the, the bridge too far. This I is the line that we cannot cross. I consider the autumn night to be a very uh, middle range seven soulstone. Uh, model so if as far as minions go so if you are above the cost of an you're Autumn a Knight and you, in a completely <laughs> different faction <laughs> and, <laughs> and two sunstones more <laughs> we will compare you <laughs> the math checks out i'm sorry that's just science oh shut your pie holes uh, silence just speed hole so uh, I did talk about Corvus Rook previously, and I think there's a lot of card room on the back taken up by pressure, and I don't think pressure is a good ability. So I think that's why Corvus Rook kind of suffers, to be honest. So all right, so we we've got Corvus Rook and the Operative that are both Department of Ungentlemanly Affairs. Um, do we want to segue into that keyword? Uh, segue into some ungentlemanly affairs. Uh, maybe after the break. All right. Well, let's do that. All right. Welcome back. And we are going to talk about our last keyword, 
of today, and that is the Department of Ungentlemanly Affairs and Umbra. Well, that's quite a mouthful. I'll be curious if everyone just calls him Dua, which is Dua? weird. Uh, but English weird. Ivan and, and his cadre of ghosts and ghost hunters. They're not ghosts. That's different. They, they are shadow creatures. Thank you. Do they bust them? What? You hey. can't bust shadow creatures. They're not ghosts. Uh, who's afraid of a shadow creature, though? Uh, English know. Ivan is afraid of the shadow. Like, read his lore. He's afraid of them. <laughs> Ironically enough, English Ivan. <laughs> I ain't afraid of no. Anyways, um, so you have played him a couple times now, Jeff. What are your What are your thoughts? I think English Ivan is going to emerge as the top master within the Explorer Society. Hot um, takes. Heard it here mm-hmm. first. Right there. Um, I hate it, but I have to second that. I think in general, uh, between summoning his utility, uh, his ability to uh, his defensive abilities that he has, which we'll talk about uh, shortly, and uh, the mobility of his crew, I think in general, he has all positives and very little negatives uh, for him. Uh, his summoning itself is not, uh, it's, it's not, it's not the best summoning that's out there. He's not a cry, but between being able to damage and get a summon off, uh, it's it's a little difficult. You have to set things up, but um, between that and him putting out uh, half of his crew, uh, making uh, concealment all across the board, him getting and, and his uh, duo models getting bonuses from concealment, uh, and then at the end of the turn, he gets to turn these markers that he creates into scheme markers that he just gets to choose one to, to that it happens to, and their crew pumps out these uh, shadow markers like candy. Um, it's, I think he's going to, he's a very strong master. Um, there are some counters to it. I would highly recommend that you take scheme or some, not scheme marker, but some form of marker removal, uh, which we found in one of our games to be, uh, very handy. And if you can keep those markers off the board, he turns back into a normal master. That's very beatable. He does have the weirdest summoning. So it was definitely interesting because I had dropped a savage into him. And one of the things that happened is very fortunate for me, I think, is that I had Thunes, so his summons come out in the middle of your crew. And so you need to have some sort of way to handle that or else you're going to get log jammed up in your deployment zone and he's going to be able to spread the board and do whatever he needs to do. So I was kind of fortunate in that matchup in that he popped a guy out and the guy immediately went into an ice pillar and I was able to keep my distance that way. But if you don't have something like that, then it's kind of a return of the old Alp bomb from the dreamer when he drops a bunch of Alps in there and you got to deal with it. And that's something, you know, along with this crew as well, you're going to have to handle that. Now, the nice thing I think about them is that they do have kind of lower def- uh, lower willpower, but they have higher defense. So if you see Dua coming up, you can kind of start to look for those things within your own faction in order to kind of counter it. Yeah, and, and that's a, a good point for uh, just explore society in general. If you have models, uh, this is why I think Neverborn may uh, be a good counter to uh, the Explorer Society because they have a lot of models that target willpower. But like the Nocturne, he's defense six, but willpower three. Uh, the Dua people, you know, the Brock Inspector, the highest uh, Umber model you can get, defense six, willpower five. Uh, even um, the totem, which is actually really good, Mr. Mordrake, defense six, willpower four. Willpower is the way to go when you want to target these guys. Uh, unfortunately, most 
things that target willpower are also uh, usually ranged attacks, uh, and that whole concealment gets in the way. Yeah, these guys are extremely strong, having defense six across the board on the minions. Um, that's going to be, I think, pretty tough for a lot of crews to really attack into. Yes, well, I think if you can kind of combo in like terrifying as well, so that way, you know, even if you have to deal with the defense six, they have to deal with like willpower four into terrifying. So something like Rezzers, who seem to be much more on the kind of attacking defense side with their meaty zombie fists, can at least leverage that as well through their upgrades. Yeah, they are they are statted like summons. Their summons are statted like summons. Uh, lower defensive stats than you would expect on a model of that cost. Lower uh, resilience than you would expect on that model from that cost. Except for the fact that you're just passing out concealing terrain. You're handing out concealing terrain to the majority of the board. And I think that's really going to skew things. And most people are going to throw a... F- Fit over the Brock Inspector, and uh, because of Death Touch, um, it's two, three, four. I mean, it's a eight Soulstone model that does two, three, four irreducible damage. It's great, uh, but if you look at uh, oh, I can, what is her name? Christ Totem. Um, like, yeah, I was gonna say an eight Soulstone model with terrifying eleven and a two, three, four Death Touch. That sounds real familiar. I wonder where they yeah. pulled that stat line from. Yeah, yeah, they're basically a Kiryu that doesn't come back. Now, I will say, in games, I found that uh, you, as an opponent, have very good control over uh, whether Brock Inspector comes out. And if you hold the high cards in your hand, uh, it's uh, you're, there has to be a Willpower 6 model that uh, he targets, that Ivan uh, targets, in order to get a Brock Inspector out. His stat is also 6. So you just have to beat his stat, and you guys are evenly matched at that point. He can't uh, target something that has lower willpower, a 5 or lower, and bring out a Brock Inspector. So they're difficult to bring out, um, and uh, I, I don't think that they're... I don't think the Brock Inspectors themselves are game-breaking. I think the... Uh, the big problem that you're going to have is the whole born of shadow from all these things where they do the concealing terrain and you mix that in with their ungentlemanly uh, affairs where they're gaining positives from the negatives uh, from all those things. It's that's where things are a little more difficult to overcome. So question, Jeff Gibson DeWalt has the ability to uh, debuff opponents that have the distracted condition uh, to give them a negative to, uh, their duels. Have you ever tried to combine that with English Ivan to try to get a summon off on a higher willpower model uh, with just a lower crow because you can put them on negative flips to their defense? I haven't really needed to. I usually had a uh, usually put, uh, put in a twelve or thirteen, but. It's, uh, I actually, my go-to summon is almost always the Deva because it can come in. It's basically the, uh, a souped up Alp that, uh, sticks with you. I, I, I love the Devas. I think they're great. And I would usually choose a Deva over a Brock inspector unless the ar- the target specifically had armor or something that I needed to get through. I mean, one of the other things is like when you're looking at going into this, you can take gravity. Well, which will cover a lot of you from, any of these summon attacks and then like stealth, like something like Zerada where a lot of her keyword has stealth because this is an attack and it's something where he has to put it on you. So you have kind of all these different controls that you can do with it as well. And this is one of those things where, uh, 
at first, people are going to play English Ivan and people are going to say that he's broken. Then you're going to have some people that play English Ivan and say that uh, he's like really underpowered. And in these cases, both of those things are going to be true uh, because you're going to have people that bring the counters to English Ivan and you're going to uh, it's going to be a learning curve for the people that play Ivan. First, they're going to come in and just uh, kick the crap out of everything. They're going to come in and they're going to find that they're getting the crap kicked out of them. And then they're going to realize that all these summon, all these Umbra models that are there, you don't have to summon them. You can hire them into your crew. So bringing in a Brock Inspector into your crew just to bring them in is not a bad idea. These Nocturnes are very fast. They're like very fast scheme runners, and they are not bad scheme runners. They're mobile concealment uh, things that can run around and drop ski markers. So uh, just keep that in mind when you're playing that uh, they're, they're, not, they're not there just as summons. You can actually use them as models in your crew. No, the tech to oppose English Ivan is not particularly evenly distributed across factions. So, uh, Gravity Oil is not a ubiquitous power. Uh, Blown Apart or uh, Thriller Driller or the ones that let you just casually remove destructible terrain are not ubiquitous across factions. You see that being an issue, like him being played into factions that can casually remove uh, destructible terrain being a, a significant weakness uh but if you don't have access to that are you going you're going to have problems i mean neverborn is a pretty i mean you must have some way of removing those effectively and for neverborn as it stands the only thing that exists there is poltergeist so you're either bringing in a pandora and a poltergeist into whatever crew that you've declared or you're having to kind of play his game so now you're looking at what, you know, can I bring in Black Blood Shaman to spam focus? Can I bring in things that ignore concealment? And then can I bring in things that are kind of stealthy on your end? And so that's where it's kind of interesting. So, like, you look at ES as a faction, and you have things like Lord Cooper, the gun line. You have things like English Ivan, who are reaching out. And you have this kind of faction-wide low willpower. That's where things like Zerato, where you have that stealth and that willpower, kind of can play into the entire faction if you don't know what your opponent's going to play. But against like things like English Ivan, they don't get locked out. They don't get screwed, even if you don't have those tools where you can easily hire them in out of keyword. And having your Brock Inspector turn around and smack English Ivan in the face because he has low willpower, is uh, it's not a fun prospect. It is a very fun thing. Absolutely fun. Just uh, keep, keep in mind, if you ever pull that combo off, uh, where English Ivan uh, can get rid of a Shadow Marker to reduce the damage to zero, <laughs> irreducible can't be reduced. That is true. Says so right on the tin. You're right on the can. So, I mean, I think as an Outcast player, I'm not as worried about this, because you have access to both Gravity Well and Blown Apart. Uh, which are going to counter a lot of the effects here, um, as well as some models that attack willpower. I mean, it, the, getting all three of those together puts you in kind of a wacky uh, super friends type of list, but I think the tools are there to to try to deal with this. Yeah, I mean, like Guild has Lone Marshal, who simultaneously ignores concealment and gets rid of summon models. I, and I will say when you when you declare your master and the other person declares English Ivan, uh, then you pick your strategy your your schemes after that. Don't play his game. Uh, if he can, if he's not near you, he's not summoning, and he can't do anything about it. And I can tell you, if you play a game where you know you plan on accomplishing your schemes on turns like late turn three, four, and five, 
than the first beginning things. He's just trying to get his stuff into position. And he, if you're playing an English Ivan crew, you want them to be near you. And sometimes it's just like I would probably not take English. They're they're very they're they're not a slow crew, but they have very slow movements, and staggered really hurts them. Uh, I would probably not bring English Ivan into a corner uh, deployment scenario. All right, so shall we move on to the last two parts of Explorer Society? Any final thoughts on English Ivan before we do? What are the last two parts of Explorer Society? The Versal Upgrades. And upgrades. Oh, oh, yay. Okay, uh, sure. Try to contain yourself. Yay. I know parts well, are escaping, but try to the, contain the, yourself. The upgrade portion is going to... We can combine these into two, because the upgrade portion is going to be pretty short. Yep. All, All right. right. We'll see you guys when you come back. All right, welcome back. We are here for the final segment of our Explorer Society quick overview, uh, and that is to talk about versatile models and upgrades. So we're going to kick things off with the hopeful prospect. Thoughts on the hopeful prospect? Token source of generally applicable condition removal in the entire faction. Which is, I mean, that's pretty good to have in a four-point personal model. Yeah, no, that that is a, a strong tender with a trigger for healing um, is, is pretty solid. Um, the key thing you have to remember about the Hopeful Prospect, um, its Blissful Ignorance ability is mandatory. You have to discard a card and then draw a card full stop. The, uh, the cool thing about that is that if you have no cards in hand, you discard nothing and then draw a card. And that's an awesome ability to have on a Forest Soulstone Martyr that you want to activate late in the round anyway because uh, you typically get conditions as you go through the turn. I will say it's pretty fun uh, with the Hopeful Prospect and his uh, good show ability and very thematic of Lord Cooper uh, focusing and shooting something. And uh, when he kills it with the Severe 7... Uh, he can, you know, the ability is called a good show. The hopeful prospect looks over and goes, good show, old man. And then he gains focused again. So that's kind of neat. And then immediately awesome. gets to shoot a second time. Exactly. He, he gets to use his uh, bonus action, get rid of the focused and shoot again. I mean, I think yeah. the thing that really stands out to me on them is that they're cost four and they've got like, you know, cost four stats, but they have hard to kill, which makes a phenomenal difference for a model in that kind of point range. Yeah. No, they're they are a solid piece all around. Insignificant being their own downside, only downside. And if you can live the dream and you actually manage to kill something that's a cost five or higher, you get to turn into something else that's worthwhile. But 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 you want to to get rid of your only condition removal? Maybe. That's the thing. You might you can, but would you want to? Well, that depends. On like uh, in a crew like. Uh, uh, Cadmus, yes, because Cadmus can turn the, like, if you put Poison 2 on me, I can turn it into Focused 2. So, like, I don't really care about the whole prospect, but then I probably wouldn't hire him, so. Hmm. Right. No, so they're solid. Super solid. So let's move on to the Alpinist. This is one that I was kind of surprised by the art when it finally came out. Um, did not expect Robot Goat. Uh, but 
pretty awesome. Uh, he's, he's a pretty cool guy. He probably would have fun hanging out with, uh, with Jedza's skeleton donkey. Tin uh, feast should have been the, the tip off for us. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what do we think of the alpinist? I really haven't used them very much because every time I look at their card, I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. It's, they don't stick out to me as anything. Maybe there's, and I haven't, like I said, I haven't played them a whole lot, but there's nothing that really sticks out to me as like super fantastic. So I'm just kind of like never really bothered to bring them. I mean, maybe climbing gear, climbing gear. If you think you're going to be going into a crew that is dropping uh, terrain a lot. If you're going up against your Fey, you're going up against your uh, Syndicate, where you can bring in something that lets people ignore uh, hazardous terrain. That would be kind of cool. Uh, other than that, they have a bunch of neat stuff, but nothing essential. Because um, for some strange reason, you get to ignore that poison swamp by having a mechanical goat. I mean, logically. Yes. Yeah. Just... Yeah, I mean, okay. Pretty- they're only five points. They have move five. Their armor one. Like I mean, I could see them. I mean, they're play. they're nothing special, but yeah. they're not bad either. They're just kind of there. You you yeah. bring them against uh, Mei Fang and just eat all of her jump notes. Yep. I mean, they're they're an enforcer, so you can only bring one. But it would be really cool if you could bring like an army of, of mechanical goats. That would have been cool. That would be funny. I don't know who the hell built the mechanical goat and was like, let's stop at one. I I think that's just the the sane and healthy number to stop at with mechanical goats. Can can we recognize that there is a flower on top of the mechanical goat? I mean, it's pretty awesome. All right, so moving on. Uh, Let's. So we already talked about the botanist, so we'll we'll skip the botanist. Um, Never skip the botanist. Skip the botanist. All right, Um, let's, let's go on to the bellhop porter. This guy is actually, uh, I, there, this thing's going to be hilarious to bring around, um, but he's actually useful on the table. Between extended reach, uh, stopping charge actions, give them a lift where McCabe's now carrying horses with him for some strange reason, and his ability to uh, throw junk. This is one of those, uh, the trigger on throw junk is actually really good because a lot of these th- uh, crews rely on markers, uh, not... Uh, the horrible um, uh, or syndicate models, but you know all the other ones that actually use markers. Uh, he can make another marker. Like you just drop it uh, in in place with the target in base contact with him. Like so, I think the bellhop porter you're going to see a lot of play from. Yeah, and he's just a cool looking dude. Like what a what a wacky looking model. Like, he's got cool abilities. I, the give him a lift. The plus to size, I think, is going to have some sneaky play around giving your guys line of sight to enemies or over your own guys uh, that people aren't expecting. So I I think there's definitely going to be some interesting use of this guy. And I'm going to be extremely upset judging by the picture. He's got a huge body and this tiny little head. If somebody doesn't paint this guy looking like Beetlejuice, I'll be very upset. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one thing I actually do think is really interesting about him is his tag out on I've got your back because he does have extended reach and he does have a two inch reach. He can actually jack up your opponent kind of badly as well, just with positioning in that sense. 
True. Yeah, it, it, he's he's a solid model, uh, and you'll see him quite a bit at Seven Stones. Uh, you'll see him around. Yep. All right, moving on to Vernon and Wells. This one's a really wacky-looking combo model of a Stargazer in one of these crazy, like, circle motorcycle bikes. It's like uh, the uh, Wild Ones crew. Yeah. Definite inspiration there. They have a, This is another one of those. They have a whole bunch of neat abilities cobbled together in one place. Uh, Head in the Clouds is a cool bit of defensive tech. Well, that's going to be one of the big things that you bring Vernon and Wells for is, number one, all these crews that we talked about with a low willpower, which is a weakness of uh, Explorer Society, Vernon and Wells help you get around that. So that's pretty nice. And um, their strong stat is the stat that everyone's going to be trying to pick on, too, with willpower six. Right. Uh, and then shielded Arcane Shield is something that's uh, pl- uh, just all throughout Explorer Society. But the whole you take a wheel where after she takes a walk action, she can discard a card to take an interact action. That's really good. Head in the Clouds does anger me a little bit. It's the classic gremlin design philosophy of make these models too good for their price point by putting in a weakness and then just include something that circumvents that weakness. Uh, but it, you're bringing in an eight soul stone model that, and it's a three inch aura around it. I don't, and on top of that, the one thing that I really like about her is I've thought about bringing Vernon and Wells into a, uh, EVS crew and, uh, Harada with the negative willpower aura that she puts out and then doing a glimpse of the void to automatically bury things. I thought it went at a 10 inch range. I think that's kind of cool. My one concern with this model is while it is a 50 millimeter base, that's a lot going on for 50 millimeters. I'm concerned that this model will be huge. It'll be like one of the wild ones. Hopefully not as difficult to assemble. Yep. Uh, All right, let's move on to Mr. Nagatoro, uh, the brother of one of the members of the EVS crew. As a McMorning player, I am bitter about the fact that everyone gets neurotoxins except McMorning. Gee, I wonder why. Maybe they shouldn't give the poison ability. So this is going to be anyone that's been listening to our podcast is not going to be surprised here. I really like Mr. Nagatoro because I really like obeys. Uh, I've said it a whole bunch of times, but uh, between him being able to get a, I mean, first of all, he's a henchman, so he can uh, stone for it. But with uh, being able to use bully, if you're targeting your own models, it becomes a seven and the mask gets thrown in uh, just for fun. Uh, It's that's, that's pretty good. I, I, I like that. Uh, ability or wait, it's between bully and voice of the society. Um, he costs a little much for his melee attack, but I think you bring him for the obeys action. Uh, you know, being able to target your own things with a stat seven obey is pretty good. Also, neurotoxin because preventing you soul stones or triggers is freaking amazing. And uh, there are a number of crews that can hand out poison. Cadmus, uh, uh, EVS, EVS. EVS with their stat 7 range 10 ability to give people poison too. 
And yeah, don't forget backroom dealings where you can just see your opponent's entire hand. And yeah. if you're targeting a lower cost than you, auto trigger search. Uh, he pairs very, very well with uh, the EVS crew because of the poison uh, interaction. Plus, the uh, his obey and backroom dealings are both willpower, so he can actually, oddly enough, I think it's his brother in EVS that gives the negative to willpower aura. So, uh, the the just the two of them work really well together. Oof, awkward family reunion. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not actually odd at all. Um, and then. You know, he says his melee uh, weapon is a Harmatongi's tooth, but it looks like a giant meat cleaver to me. That's because it's carved from the tooth. Because Harmatongi's tooth teeth are really big. I mean, okay, I'll. Uh, oh, yeah. don't you know Horbatongi, the uh, Titan from the other side? Yes, I know. That's a that's some good other side crossover. Yep. naming and easter eggs in here i think across the faction which is really nice uh, it looks like only... something that a frat house would use to haze somebody there is something interesting i've noticed with explorer society like uh and on his obey he's got the trigger harsh teachings that give it a model injured one and focused one so like you gotta pick and choose when you want to use that and like it kind of gives you a something that you can kind of play around with but getting back to the uh, fraternities that Herman interacts with, I have serious concerns. Well, I'm curious what Owen's comment was about to be. Yes, yeah, so I t- my only complaint uh, artwork-wise on him is I don't understand why his suspenders are not on. Like, he's wearing his vest, and you would wear suspenders under it. It's just confusing. Like, Steampunk. Steampunk. Makes no you're, sense. you're lucky he doesn't have goggles. Goggles everywhere. Yeah, fair. All I right. don't see the suspenders. Like it, I'm, like, I'm looking on, at the card. No, no, it's not on the card. In the book, it, in the oh. full length art. Um, Hold on, now I'm gonna have to go get. My it's card. as if on the card they cut it off before to hide their shame. Indeed. Yeah, it's it's really convenient that they left that off the card. Yeah. Lack of suspenders. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's move on to the effigy and the emissary. We'll do them together. Thoughts on them? So, I think the emissary is good. My problem every time I've used him is getting him into a place where he is useful. That a lot of his stuff is fairly short range or melee range stuff, uh, but he has no real mobility tricks in his only average movement. So, uh, getting him in place is awkward. So I think he, he might be a prime candidate for taking the effigy with the upgrade. Because lead the way is, on the uh, intrepid effigy, is a really great early game power that lets you speed up models in your crew. And then late game, you turn him into a giant tanky beat stick. I mean, I love lead the way with accomplice because you can kind of do a one-two punch where your opponent thinks that they're safe and it turns out that they're not at all. Yes. So... I think this is a. I think they're both good models, but it might be a one of the instances where upgrading from the effigy or the effigy with the the upgrade is the way to go. At least in my opinion. 
Um, I wouldn't even like in some instances. I just bring the effigy without the upgrade because uh, between lead the way and the you're you're mostly bringing him around for the aura of cork of courage and uh, his lead the way is in my opinion distinctly. You can move minions around where the intimidating roar you get two inches, but you can't move minions anymore because you're giving them slow. So it's uh, I actually like the effigy more than the emissary. Yeah, I like I like them both so. I've been using the emissary in my uh, annual like Karen games uh, again, bringing more tanking to compensate for her generic squishiness. And when he gets up into melee, he's real nasty. It just I mean, takes effort. We'll, we'll get into more stuff about of uh, in in our deep dives with these things, but doing something like uh, with the intrepid effigy hitting one of your own models uh, with uh, his torch to do one point of damage and give it burning. And then uh, you get the trigger to give something focused, and uh, and then when Nexus goes, or when uh, yeah Nexus goes, <laughs> she changes the burning into another focused, uh, and you know the whole time the aura courage is on. So if you uh, pass the duel by two or more, you automatically heal the damage that's been done. Like he's got a lot of stuff going for him, and it's he's pretty awesome. I like the little dude. All right, so I think that taps out the versatile models uh, that are only versatile. So let's let's move on to the upgrades. So we've got three of them, as usual. So same deal as as most or as all the other factions. Three two stone upgrades uh, that you can take two each of. Um, we'll start with the flush with cash upgrade. This is the one that uh, provides some defensive tech the bribery ability where after the model is targeted by an enemy model you can basically discard a soul stone to cancel that one no you give the soul stone to your opponent yes yes you give your soul you give your opponent a soul stone once per turn to cancel an attack so there this will pop up in isolated situations where people will we will complain and, and we'll whine about it, but in general, it's not a good ability. Uh, bribery is, you don't want to give your opponent a soul stone. If you're in a position where you need to use this ability to give your, and give your opponent a soul stone, you're probably losing the game already as it is. Disagree. Um, I, I don't, I, I can't yeah. see a time when you're really going, I mean, there are going to be times when you're like, Hey, I need to get this model here to pick up this thing and somebody's last ditch effort. And you just cancel it out. There's going to be little situations like that, but I don't know. Two, paying two soul stones. I can't, I, I, I don't, I don't like the upgrade. Take so it think- and you put it onto a model that has hard to kill. They get it down to that one last one. They make their second attack. You cancel it. Yeah, I mean, th- I think the trick is I don't know that it's worth it for that one ability, but how about for insurance? Um, so, and that is the after a friendly is killed within six, you get a soul stone. I mean, that seems really good with Cadmus. That's my immediate thought is Cadmus, who's summoning a lot of things, maybe English Ivan, who's summoning things, like that, you're potentially getting your money back. Yeah, the issue with bribery is that it's once per turn. So unless it is that literal last attack, uh, you know, they're coming in with their powered up Lady Justice with a full hand of cards. 
you can stop that first attack, but they still have two more coming, potentially. Um, the hard to kill, as mentioned, is probably one of the killer apps, Cadmus being the other one, since uh, you could turn all the... I, I have to see the the wording on that. Does would they would models with parasites count as friendly models being killed next to you? I don't know the wording on. Uh, uh yes. The so the parasite yes it would. Um, well, but it, it has to be killed by an enemy model. Is is the key though? Well, yes, but it is. T- yeah, it's not so, like you can't arrange that in Cadmus. I mean, you can put it straight up on. Um, you can put it on Anya, and she's got hard to kill, and then she'll cancel it off. Actually, hilariously, you could, if you had Cadmus going against a crew that kills its own guys, like some Rezzer crews, you could be getting soul stones off of that. Okay, so we're going, like, really corner case situations? No. You know, you I think to- the best thing on this card is putting it on a minion for excess funds. You don't even have to go anything weird like that for Cadmus because the end of round actions you can obey people with Cadmus to make them attack. No, true. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's move on to. Well, I guess quick round the horn. Are we gonna take this for sure? Maybe take it, or gonna leave it at home? Situational, I, I, but better than Jeff thinks. I give it a maybe. Yeah, it's I, a maybe for me. Yeah, maybe as well. All right, let's go to treasure map. This one, the big the big thing on here is deadly pursuit. So the model with this upgrade can push four inches at the end of or at the end phase. Uh, it also has a one inch remove target marker. Bonus I disagree. Action. I think the biggest thing in this card is buried treasure, the marker removal. That's what you put on Nexus, and then she uses this to remove a marker from anywhere within. Uh, what is it? A ten, the ten-inch aura of her? Uh, no, the twelve-inch aura of her. As long as her models near it. Great denial piece. That's that's a an abil- a a use that I did not see. That's, that's no. Really I, I think this one uh, a forward push on an important model at the end of the turn is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, it also fixes some of Nexus's. Uh, movement abilities you know the four inch push is awesome like you are like you were saying so i like this ability on nexus y'all will never guess which crew jeff has been playing a lot of um anya uh, no, <laughs> no, bingo bingo 100 percent. good call yeah no how about not i it's uh i really the out of explorer society the four masters that i like the most were english ivan uh jedza um, Nexus and probably EDS. Those are the, the ones that I'm going to mostly stick to. Uh, so, uh, but yes, I love Cadmus. I, I, or I love Nexus. Uh, that whole keyword, I'm just really looking forward to those models coming out. Carry the Loot is also a really solid ability because card draw is always a solid ability. Agreed. Yeah. So, quick votes. I, I think this one is going to definitely see play. Yeah, I mean, as the gaining grounds changes too, like Deadly Pursuit was much more important to gaining ground zero than it is to gaining grounds one. You know, as the years turn, this is going to come into vogue and out of vogue, I think, along with that. Yeah, and I've I've been caught in corner case situations where at the end of the game, somebody deadly pursued a uh, uh, beast of 
uh, or blessed of December over to uh, for what it was catch and release or something. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I mean Rubaru um, can do it. The undercover reporter can do it. It's a really useful ability in those situations when you set it up properly with the strats and schemes. Yeah. Yep. I like it. All right. So, and then final upgrade is hidden agenda. This one is doing some interesting stuff. This is a fun one. Uh, backup plan is nice because anytime your opponent cheats in any opposed duel, it just suffers one point of damage. So that's uh, you get something down to hard to kill and you attack it again, it's screwed one way or another. So I, I like that. And double cross, being able to cheat with the card face down, any of those lynch players will tell you this is a good ability. Yeah. All right. That's uh, anytime your opponent has to choose their cheat card without knowing what you have is an opportunity for value. Just stress them out. It's terrible. I hate it. I hate it so much. And <laughs> I think the, the last part of this card will not get used very much because the two upper parts you're going to want to put on high uh, profile models that are impact the game a lot more than minions and the last one can only be used by a minion where when you reveal a scheme the minion gains fast uh i would rather have this on like a cruise leader or one of the henchmen or enforcers in the crew that are uh, pivotal as opposed to a minion that's running around just to get give it fast later that's kind of weird all right and so that brings us to the end of our explorer society quick overview um thanks everyone for listening uh any closing thoughts on explorer society Spider chicks are hot. They are. They are Jeff's favorite. Um, yeah, I think overall, you know, Explorer Society is going to really bring a lot of interesting things to the table. I think, I hope that it energizes folks and gets some interest going um, to, to get some games going. So definitely check out Vassal uh, and get this started. Yeah, I think this is a well-designed, well-rounded faction shaped just like Spider Chicks. Yeah. Josh, any last thoughts? Oh, I think they have learned a lot of lessons on how to make good models and have uh, demonstrated that by making a whole bunch of pretty good models. Um, and one very rough mechanical goat. And one mechanical goat. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I think just what we said in the first podcast or the first episode of this podcast or the first episode of the Explorer Society podcasts, there we go, um, that the faction as a whole is not broken. There may be some models that need some s- slight tweaks here and there, but every faction also has those models. So I think that Explorer Society is definitely coming in in this uh, equal place with a lot of other factions. Except we're going to put the cryptologist and a goat in a corner and let them think about what they did. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, we will see you next time on the Capital City Crew. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Capital City Crew podcast. We hope you tune in next time.